Welcome to BritCham Cambodia and the UK Department for International Trade's podcast series, Doing Business in Cambodia. The Cambodian medical sector overview, its development and opportunities. My name is Paul Dodd and I'm the board member of the British Chamber of Commerce here in Cambodia, but also the director of Infinity Financial Solutions, which operates in the healthcare insurance sector. We have a very special guest today with over 30 years experience in the medical field. I'd like to introduce to our listeners, Dr. Gavin Scott, a British clinician here in Cambodia. Good morning, Gavin. Good morning. Before we dive into the topic, can you just share a little bit of your background and how you established yourself as a doctor here in Cambodia? Sure. So basically, I come from a family of doctors, and, and in my case, I followed my father's footsteps, studying at St. Andrews University, graduating in 1980 from Manchester University. I then worked as a junior doctor in various uh, NHS hospitals. But in 1983, there was a death in the family and financial responsibilities exceeded my income. So I left to work in Saudi Arabia. Later, I worked in Libya and Burma before arriving in Cambodia in 1992. I like to say I came as a good guy because I came as a UN volunteer doctor. Gaining medical experience in tropical medicine not money was my motivation. I decided not to renew my contract and, and by chance I noticed that an Australian clinic had just closed. So I went to see the Australian nurse who was busy closing shop and we decided to reopen the clinic. Later we split up as business partners and I went solo in 1995, later moving to my present location in 1997. Being a British doctor, is different from many other nationalities. Because working in the NHS, we look at patients and want to help them. Money is not a factor. Private medicine, therefore, is somewhat at odds with our natural disposition. So you've had over 30 years experience? 30 years in Cambodia, yeah. So can you share what are the developments and progress you've seen so far? I know it may be like a medical equipment, treatments, and the hospitals here in Cambodia. I mean, I've lived here myself just coming up for 13 years, and I've seen lots of uh, changes just in my short time. So I suspect um, with a little bit more longevity on your side of your experience here in Cambodia, there's a, a lot of changes. Yes, um, there are a lot of changes uh, for good and a lot of changes for bad. Um, with regard to uh, the progress, basically, uh, the population, uh, Cambodia, has increased by 50% from 10 million to 15 million. And if you look at most of the health parameters, they've all improved. So, for example, life expectancy has increased from 53 years to now 73. And the poverty index has fallen from 50% to 15%. And then other things like maternal mortality is down. Cases of HIV, malaria, TB are all down. We now have safe drinking water. So 
The Cambodian government should be credited with creating the stability and attracting investments. And this has led Cambodia to be uh, labeled now a middle-income status uh, country with a GDP of $1,500. However, increased income often translates into increased obesity as Cambodians walk less and eat more. So diseases such as diabetes, strokes, etc., are on the increase. And these diseases will cause increased health expenditure, both by the individual and by the government. Okay, so we know that, or for those of you back in the UK um, who may or not be familiar, Cambodia has one of the fastest growing economies within the Southeast Asian region, with an annual growth rate pre-COVID of around about 7% per annum. Despite the rapid development, a lot of people still tend to go abroad for their healthcare services. What do you think the problems are and why do you think that locals prefer to seek professional medical advice overseas? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that there are some very good Cambodian doctors and I know some of them, but unfortunately they are a minority. And you can basically blame history. I don't blame the Cambodians. You can blame history. Basically, the Khmer Rouge totally destroyed the health and educational structures in the late 70s and killed most educated Cambodians, including teachers, university professors, doctors, etc. The government, the state of Cambodia, rightly focused on quantity, not quality. So during the 80s, they produced about 500-odd doctors, and they did their best, but they had limited knowledge and capability. And then the second historical event, um, which was thrust upon Cambodia, was basically in 1989, the Berlin Wall fell. And Cambodia then suffered the fate that many other ex-communist countries have similarly experienced. Anyway, if students uh, uh, in the uh, 90s and 2000s paid money to pass exams and enter university, it's likely most graduates will be lacking in knowledge, competence, and ethics. Now, this situation makes the good doctors desperate for change, and on occasions has led to some senior Cambodian doctors to speak out. Now, what Cambodians say about Cambodian doctors are, of course, opinions, not facts. But it is a fact that the king goes to China to see Chinese doctors, the PM goes to Singapore to see Singaporean doctors, and many Cambodians go to Thailand or Vietnam to see Thai and Vietnamese doctors. My opinion is that attitudes are finally changing for the better. Cambodian people and the Cambodian government want something better. The Ministry of Health and the Medical Council of Cambodia are, I believe, working hard to improve standards. So in terms of healthcare, what would you say are the major um, improvements and changes that have um, occurred? Well, I think uh, after people have spoken out and discussed things, um, action is taken. So basically, uh, in 2017, uh, there was a new education minister 
And he decided to severely crack down on corruption in the schools. No more money under the table to pass your exams. Even the PM has, has been exasperated as how things were, decrying some universities for awarding copy and paste degrees. Meanwhile, some bright spark realized Cambodia was losing money in having so many Cambodians going abroad for healthcare. So instead of Cambodians going, say, to Thailand to see Thai doctors, why not bring Thai doctors to Cambodia? Now, Cambodia is a WTO member. So any hospital set up in Cambodia can be 100% foreign owned. As a result, the Thais opened a Thai hospital, the Royal Ratanak in 2008, which is now the Royal Phnom Penh Hospital. The Vietnamese opened a Vietnamese hospital, Cho Rey, in 2014. The Japanese opened a Japanese hospital, Sunrise, in 2016. And more recently, the Singaporeans have opened a Singaporean hospital, The Prestige, in 2020. So if we look at these hospitals, basically most of the doctors are foreign doctors. There are a few Cambodian doctors who have studied abroad and qualified from a foreign university. And there are also a few locally trained Cambodian doctors who have postgraduate diplomas from foreign universities. You know, th this very much reminds me of how Thailand started getting a good reputation in the medical field as their doctors studied abroad. Now, uh, several new Cambodian hospitals have been established by foreign educated Cambodian doctors who are well qualified. However, and this is the crux of the problem which still remains, it's very difficult still to find qualified and capable staff to fill all the positions below the owner-director. I think that is actually something that I can comment on myself, uh, Gavin, oh. because oh. working in the insurance sector and dealing with a lot of expatriates and corporate healthcare plans for a lot of the corporations here, um, in the event of major emergencies or um, healthcare issues, we are medically evacuating or recommending that people have their surgeries overseas for anything more technical. Um, and sometimes the actual treatment just isn't available here in Cambodia. And I can just think of four or five that have happened this year. So it would be valuable to know what the opportunities are. Can you highlight what are potential investment opportunities for UK investors wishing to consider um, investing in the medical sector here in Cambodia? Right. Well, I think from what I've said already, I think the, 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 the primary problem is all about education. So uh, um, that's where the focus should be. But um, I would say that there should be more foreign-owned hospitals, but particularly focused on specialists. Uh, the problem in Cambodia is also that they just don't have many specialists. I, I believe there's one heart surgeon, uh, possibly one kidney surgeon. Um, so 
This is the reason why uh, hospitals like the, the prestige of the Singaporean hospital, they basically a hospital full of specialists, and this is very good. Uh, and and um, as I say, it's a, it's a good uh, business model, um, bringing the doctors and, and hopefully the patients will go there. Um, but I think we need more specialists. So you could still have more hospitals bringing in more specialists. Um, and even the present hospitals, uh, for example, I believe that the Royal Phnom Penh Hospital doesn't have a dermatologist. Well, dermatologist is, is quite a, makes up 40% of my patients anyway. Um, another sort of type of hospital um, uh, should focus on psychiatric care. You know, the, the, the Khmer Rouge killed all the psychiatrists and uh, the funding for psychiatric care in Cambodia, I believe, was stopped several years ago. So, um, and uh, opinions uh, on um, what percentage of uh, the, the Cambodian population suffer from uh, mental disease uh, varies from 40 to 80% of the uh, people who experience the Khmer Rouge. So there is definitely a need for a psychiatric hospital. Um, and also, uh, as I've mentioned, the life expectancy has increased now for Cambodians up to 73. And if you look at other countries like Japan and China, um, healthcare for the elderly is going to be extremely important. So a hospital for the elderly or um, uh, um, residential care homes for the elderly. Um, so those are the sort of uh, the, the hospitals we need. We still need more specialists. Um, but as I say, without being critical, we know that the standard of medical care is low. So I would like it to be improved. I would like the Cambodian doctors to be as good as the Thai doctors. So therefore, my focus is more on education and therefore uh, British uh, uh, people could come and set up more schools and things. So a foreign owned medical school, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, uh, I believe there are two medical schools here at the moment. You've got the, the state one, but you've also got a private medical school. So you can have another medical school. Um, and you could have a uh, medical postgraduate school. See, at the moment, Cambodian doctors, if they want to get further training in whatever it is, cardiology or whatever, they have to go abroad. Well, why not set up a postgraduate uh, school here and bring in specialist uh, teachers and so forth? Um, and uh, basically also perhaps a foreign-owned accreditation institute. Um, so basically there's still a lot of improvements uh, to be made. Um, and my focus would be on uh, education and uh, basically in, in 20 years time, the foreign doctors won't be necessary. They can all go home. Um, but if you want that to happen, you've got to edu educate the Cambodian doctors. Now, um, other things that uh, uh, British companies could invest in, um, uh, making medicines, drugs, uh, they could manufacture in the special economic zone. Um, 
Whether that's viable, I, I don't know. It's up to them. Equipment, medical equipment, I think it might be a bit of a problem that uh, um, there are a lot of manufacturers of medical equipment in Asia and they're fairly cheap. So I don't think British companies could probably compete with that, but that's up to them. But I think the COVID uh, situation is an interesting opportunity for British companies to come in. So, for example, um, uh, British companies could come and make COVID-19 test kits in, in Cambodia or set up some uh, manufacturing uh, place that could quickly manufacture kits for the next virus that comes along. And um, uh, the other thing about COVID, um, COVID vaccines. Now, at the moment, as you know, you know they're do uh, donated and uh, we get a lot from China, etc. But Thailand, our neighbor, uh, they manufacture vaccines too. So why can't people come in and set up a vaccine manufacturing plant in Cambodia? And it doesn't have to just be for the COVID vaccine, obviously. It can be for future vaccines. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for British companies to come in, as I say, in the field of education, in the field of uh, um, COVID. Okay, so let's fast forward 10 years, Gavin. Um, I mean, currently in Cambodia, there is a, a blossoming dental tourism market. Do you think in the future, if some of these suggestions are, are taken forward, can we see medical tourism being a big business here, like, for example, in Thailand, you know, you go to Bumangrad or one of the larger hospitals in Thailand, and it's full of patients from the Middle East coming in for their treatments. Do you and, think? And, and, and full of Cambodians. And yes. full of Cambodians, last, yes. Last time I was there, there were a whole pile of Cambodians behind me. Mm. <laughs> um, well, as, as I said, uh, medical tourism in Cambodia, not in the near future for the reasons uh, we've stated. Indeed, a, a recent 2020 healthcare review by a prominent Cambodian law firm pointed out that recent negative reports on social media are having an impact and are likely to increase out outbound medical tourism to neighboring countries. So basically, more Cambodians will be going to Thailand. So to be blunt, it will take time maybe 20 years, yeah. And if you know how things work in Cambodia, um, Cambodians uh, tend to be non-confrontational in dealing with problems. Uh, and so my opinion is that they really are just waiting for the elderly, less competent doctors to retire and the new blood, the younger Cambodians to rise. And this takes time. So, you know, assuming the high school students of today are passing their examinations of merit only, they'll graduate as doctors in 10 years time, but they'll still need another 10 years in postgraduate training. So really it's only in about 20 years time, will you have well-educated, uh, competent local doctors, and then you can have medical tourism. However, in 20 years time, the world will be a totally different place and we'll probably all be doing telemedicine, <laughs> which is horrible. Uh, 
I won't be doing that. I'll be retired. Yeah. Um, so. And I think telemedicine is something sort of I see as being quite strangely introduced to some of the insurance companies now when I find it quite bizarre that somebody from the other side of the world can make a recommendation <laughs> on somebody's health. Um, well, well, of course, you know, they, they, Cambodia has been using telemedicine uh, in the last 10 years. For example, um, the hospitals like the Royal Phnom Penh Hospital They'll do a CT scan or an MRI in Cambodia, but the interpretation of it is done by a Thai doctor in Bangkok. So in those cases, yes, telemedicine is useful. But uh, telemedicine for a GP between me and you, for example, no, it's, it's... Doctors, we like to put our hands on patients. Some good answers there, Gavin, and some good thoughts. Do you have any final comments for our listeners that you think would be uh, important for you to get across to them? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, basically, I think Cambodia has great potential. Uh, You know, it's a lovely country. I'm still in it. And and we're always hoping for something better. Things are improving in the medical sector, albeit slowly. But I'd like to say, you know, building big buildings like hospitals, buying expensive equipment to put in them, are only functions of money. What's far more important is the education and competence of the people who work it in them or or with the equipment. So I'd like to finally quote with uh, a quote of Tony Blair, the ex-British Prime Minister, who once said the three most important things are education, education, and education. In other words, it's educated and therefore competent doctors that should be the priority. Um, And finally, you know, if any listener has any questions, please, uh, you're welcome to send me questions via uh, BritCham, and I'd be happy to respond. Well, thank you so much, Gavin, for your time. It's much appreciated and uh, some wonderful words of wisdom there. Welcome. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Um, Please stay tuned for our next BritCham Cambodia podcast, which will be coming soon. For more information on doing business in Cambodia, please contact British Chamber of Commerce Cambodia or the British Embassy Phnom Penh.